Hey Keto Freaks, here's an update on Keto Fest. We have a date! The weekend of July 15th and 16th, 2017. Keto Fest is a ketogenic festival for everyone, not just doctors and nutritionists. Richard Morris and I, along with a host of keto rock stars, are turning the entire coastal town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic the entire weekend of July 15 and 16. Some of the best minds in keto have already said they want to come and speak, including Jimmy Moore, Megan Ramos, Ivor Cummins, Dr. Jeff Gerber, Dr. Eric Westman, and Dr. Ted Naiman. We'll have an outdoor food festival with live music, fitness lessons, cooking lessons, walking tours, bike tours, Segway tours, movies on the historic Guard Theater's 60-foot screen, and of course, great talks by our rock stars. We'll be doing a Kickstarter campaign soon to sell tickets. Meantime, go to KetoFest.com and register. KetoFest, real keto for real people. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February of 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia, or at least I'd normally be in Canberra, Australia, but today I'm actually in Connecticut yeah. uh, at Carl's studio, and we're recording this live, so you won't notice any international delays. That's right. So I've been on a ketogenic diet for almost three years now, and when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 80 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is both a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for three years now yeah. in ketosis. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we're keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nah. <laughs> We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, yep. and we hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. Mm -hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be it ignored. Cannot. No, it cannot. <laughs> So let's start podcast number 58, Switching It Up with Megan Ramos. Yeah. Richard, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? No, I think Dr. Fetkey uh, has a rough understanding of how all this works. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So yeah. no, there are no corrections or apologies. All right. Well, let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Sure. So a ketogenic diet is under 20 grams of carbohydrates, that's sugar or starch per day, and mm -hmm. that forces your body to become good at burning fat. We get all of our energy from burning fat, and the other macronutrient, which is protein, we just get enough to maintain our body. We don't yep. want to use that for calories. So yeah. all of our calories are coming from fat. 
Turns out that protein is still insulinogenic. Yeah. But half as much as carbohydrates. carbohydrates. But the whole goal of the ketogenic diet is to dramatically lower your insulin. Yeah. And especially for people who are insulin resistant, like uh, Carla, myself, type 2 diabetics like us, mm-hmm. when we lower our insulin, our body fat releases energy. And it means that we can use fat from our bodies. We don't have to eat fat anymore. Right. Uh, pretty much. So uh, it, it really allows you to lose weight very quickly and also to stabilize your glucose, which yeah. for a type 2 diabetic is a very important thing. And type 1 diabetics too. That's right. We yeah. should call out the uh, Facebook group for type 1 diabetics. Yeah, type 1 grit. Uh, is a great Facebook group for uh, people who are trying to manage uh, type 1 diabetes yep. uh, with a low-carb diet. Yep. And uh, it turns out that's a good idea, too. Yeah. So uh, we have an interview with Megan Ramos coming up here that we did a few weeks ago in Breckenridge, Colorado, while we were at Low Carb Breckenridge. Yes, that's right. It was a great event. Uh, Megan works with Dr. Fung in uh, his uh, clinic, and she does all of the work, and right. Do- Dr. Fung does all of the YouTube. That's right. <laughs> Do we say that out loud? No, I don't think we did. <laughs> she so- does. She She's the one who's interacting with the diabetic patients on a day-to-day basis. That's right. Dr. Fung also does that, but on top of that, he's a kidney doctor, and he's seeing people about kidney problems as well. We had a great sit down with Megan. She mm-hmm. came to visit us for dinner mm-hmm. at our Breckenridge house, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a great dinner and some ribeyes. I some ribeyes, yeah. yeah, it was delicious. Yeah. And then we uh, spent some time with her later on. Sat down and uh, we recorded a podcast, and we actually did the video, which mm-hmm. is unusual for us. But since we were both in the same country and in fact in the same room at the same time, yep. we thought we may as well shoot some video. So you'll see the video linked in our show notes as well. Yeah, it'll be a behind the scenes. Here's the videoing of a podcast, right? Uncut. <laughs> All right, well, I guess that brings us to... Mail! We're justified and we don't need no <laughs> I still love being in the same movie. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, uh, Carl, what have we got? All right. I've got a message from our forum, and this mm-hmm. is in the Show Me the Science category. Right, that's the ketogenicforums.com. At www.ketogenicforums.com or forum.2keto.com. Yep. Easier still. All right, and uh, this is from someone who says, hey, I'm a healthy 33-year-old with an A1C of 5.3. Well done. Yep, same over the last 10 years. But three of my grandparents and mom struggle with diabetes. Mm. I saw so many of my mom's eating patterns in myself and decided to get off my carb addiction, so I started the keto lifestyle mid-January. Nice. Yeah. As a result, my skin looks better. My joints aren't cracking as they used to. I assume reduced inflammation. Yep, that's probably what it is. Yeah. I sleep better and I wake up more easily. I stopped taking Adderall for ADD. Mm. Well done. Yeah. I'm overall happier, have less anxiety. I have more energy. And I'm a preschool teacher, and I need lots of it. Yeah. (laughs) And I told her that. I respect my doctor's knowledge, education, and time invested in earning her degree, but she didn't support my decision with all the good this lifestyle does, which I thought might happen. Mm. I didn't mind her not agreeing with me, but her job is to offer lab tests and other ways to track my health. Since she was pretty passive and I felt ignored, I found a highly recommended described as open-minded GP doctor, that's general practitioner, which I have an appointment with on Tuesday. This is where I need your help. 
I'd love to bring with me to the appointment the most updated and reliable research out there about this lifestyle. My goal is for him to work with me to monitor my health. Sure. Regardless of his own personal belief. Mm. Who knows? He might get interested enough to convert. <laughs> Would you kindly link me so that I can show him the science? Thank you in advance and best health to you all. And uh, yes, I have an answer. A while ago, I put together a blog post on blog.2keto.com, mm. which is essentially three major studies that show the safety and efficacy of a ketogenic diet. The first one is a study of both animal and human subjects following a ketogenic diet for more than six years with nothing but good results. Mm. And that's important because a lot of people who have heard of you know low carb or Atkins or whatever, they love to play the yes, but we don't know the long-term effects right. card. Yeah. yeah. So then there's a 2014 meta study, which means that it's a review of 76 observational and randomized controlled trials with more than 650,000 participants total that found those with a high saturated fat intake did not have an increased risk of heart disease. And that's normally where doctors um, have a, an issue with the low-carb diet because the low-carb diet uh, is, in theory, a high-saturated fat diet or that's it right. is compared to the low-fat diet. Yeah. And so um, they have an obvious and understandable uh, concern because we've spent 40 years trying to lower people's saturated fat. Right. This study shows that uh, high saturated fat isn't related to, no, to, it's not related to, anything. to increased risk of heart disease. Yeah, right. And so the next thing that they're going to notice is that your cholesterol is going to go up. And right. now they're going to be concerned about high cholesterol. It doesn't always go up. For some people, it goes down. For some people, it stays the same. And some people, right. it goes up. So, Which is indicative of the fact that... Uh, Cholesterol isn't a good marker for heart disease. Right. And it's just it's just how you're moving energy around your body. Yeah, as, mm. as we learned from Dave Feldman. That's right. Hacking your cholesterol. Mm. So this is a study of 138,000 people admitted to U.S. hospitals with a heart attack. Right. And cholesterol was measured. And the average cholesterol was 105. Wow. That's lower Low. than the general population. Absolutely. So I guess going to a hospital with a heart attack is a cause of low LDL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. So you can see that there isn't a correlation between high LDL and heart attacks right. based on this study. Now, that's 138,000 people, and the average cholesterol level was low. Yeah. So uh, non-correlation, guess what? Non-causation. <laughs> yeah. I think one interesting thing about this letter is that uh, the viewer says, uh, I'm a healthy 33-year-old uh, with an A1C of 5.3. Mm. That's where her glucose is. Yeah. And she says that three of her grandparents struggle with diabetes. Her insulin could be way high. It could she, be. But nobody's measuring it. Yeah. And it's the exposure to insulin chronically over time yeah. that causes um, the disseminated vascular disease that uh, causes cardiovascular disease and all of the complications of diabetes. Right. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, a an HbA1c, it tells you what your glucose control is, but it mm. doesn't tell you about the underlying uh, disease of diabetes. For right. And in fact, by the time your A1c is over seven, right. you've got it. You've it's had it. Too late. For 20 years. <laughs> yeah. We talked about Dr. Kraft's insulin assay. Right. He was able to predict diabetes 15 years beforehand. Yeah. 
yeah, with a simple test. So, yeah, so essentially if your glucose is okay, but your insulin is high over time, watch out. Yeah, your glucose will rise. That's yeah. right. And you will get diabetes. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. So I've got another mail item from Brenda Zorn. Yay. <laughs> Yay, Brenda. Uh, Brenda says that she is down four and a half pounds since starting a steak challenge oh, last Tuesday. Oh, the steak challenge. Yeah. She and Donna Lordy, these are two of our admins, uh, are eating as much steak as they want, as fatty as possible, and uh, just as a challenge to see For what it does. For 30 days? For 30 days. Wow. And they're doing tests before and after to... To, to see what happens. And uh, so Brenda, Brenda says, yesterday I ate 2.5 pounds of beef steak. Oh, wow. So she's eating over two pounds of steak a day, and she's lost 4.5 pounds since starting this challenge. And no vegetables, no nothing, just steak. Just steak. No vegetables, nothing. Now is no she putting cream, salt and no, no butter, no, no. Yeah. I guess she's salting it, yeah. Yeah, she's putting salt on it. Yeah. So... Uh, she says, this is exciting. I figured initial loss of inflammation and the weight loss would stop. Nope. And the bonus, I'm not keeping my usual 20 slash 4 IF window. That's uh, 20 hours fasting, 4 hours eating. Sometimes I fry up a steak right when I wake up. Mm. Last night I fried one up at 11 p.m. Wow. I feel like such a carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> she says, this steak challenge wasn't entered into to lose weight. It was purely out of curiosity. Science, blood glucose levels, ketones, curiosity. And my pal Donna Lordy, who loves a challenge just as much as me, this was her idea. And Donna says, <laughs> meat is so unhealthy. That must be why my blood pressure has dropped 10 points after a week, nearly. Wow. So, and she is currently, her BP uh, is 120 over 81. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah. perfectly normal. Absolutely. Fantastic. So thanks, Brenda and Donna. And uh, keep calm and keto on, girls. <laughs> right. All right, and that brings us to our interview with Megan. As we said, Megan Ramos works for Dr. Jason Fung at his clinic in Toronto. Yeah. She works with diabetic patients. She has a lot of clinical experience, and this is why we wanted to talk to her, because she's on the ground every day talking to diabetic patients, working up fasting regimens, you know, intermittent fasting, ketogenic diets, long-term fasting, all of those things. And uh, we came to this great realization of switching it up, which was yeah. the theme of our talk. So without any more fanfare, let's get to the interview. Megan Ramos, welcome to Two Keto Dudes. Yes. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being here. And it's great to be here in Colorado where it's ridiculously cold and I can't breathe. There's a ton of snow. And I'm from Canada. <laughs> and I've never seen this much, though. It's really yeah, Toronto, right? Toronto, yeah. We're like the wimpiest Canadians across <laughs> the country. So this kind of snow I've never seen in like 32 years of living there and never anywhere else. But it's, yeah. it's chilly. It was... And you live at altitude, but not this high. Not this high, no. I'm about uh, 3,000 foot, uh, yeah. 1,000 meters, but we're at 9,600. And I'm pretty much oh living God. at yeah. sea level. So yeah. this is really <laughs> bad for me, but I've 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 adjusted. The reason that I wanted to talk to you and Richard and I wanted to talk to you is that um, I was listening to your fasting podcast with Jimmy Moore, which is great, by the way. And uh, congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. And you said something that just struck home, which is, you know, when you're stalled, switch it up. If you're fasting, eat a lot of fat mm -hmm. and then stop and then go back. And your body likes to be kept guessing. It, it, it 
becomes complacent with what you're doing. You don't want to do one meal a day. Everybody, like patients come in and everybody's so excited. They're like, I'm doing a 24-hour fast every day of the week. Hmm. And yeah, they lose weight for a week or two, maybe three if they're lucky, and then flatline. And uh, patients say, but we don't understand why we're fasting every day of the week. Um, But you're giving your body the same amount of energy every day of the week. You're giving it the same energy expenditure every single damn day of the week. So your body processes will slow down to adapt to that new budget. It's like if your company was taking a hit in 2017, you own a contracting company, for example, and you had to have both knees done, you weren't going to be able to work, like knee replacements, I mean. (laughs) Sorry, guys, uh, we just, knees done is sort of (laughs) the medical lingo. But you had to get both knees replaced in one year. Like, you wouldn't be working that much. But by 2018, you'd be good to go. And, you know, in 2018, you can double up the work. But you would slow down your lifestyle in 2017 because you wouldn't have sure. that income. So maybe you wouldn't go to the movies. Maybe you'd just get a Netflix subscription, but mm. you wouldn't be going to the movies every week. Maybe you'd be eating out less. Maybe you take public transit. You know, you would adjust your lifestyle to accommodate a new budget. And it's, you know, the same thing that Jason says, your body is really smart. Let's mm. give it some credit. It slows down. It wants to preserve it. Your body is not your enemy. Your body yeah. wants to keep you alive as long as it physically can. So it's like, okay, we'll go into preservation mode and slow everything down. But when you're trying to fix somebody who's metabolically damaged or who's metabolically not in their ideal place, so if they wanted to lose weight, you don't want to slow down your metabolism. You want to beef it up. And so I talk to the patients this. I have a friend, um, this is a true story. She uh, flipped into real estate. Um, last year and she had an amazing year like Toronto real estate market's just insane sure. uh, hopefully it crashes before <laughs> I have to buy another house. <laughs> you should miss that um, <laughs> but uh, she had a great year she made all kinds of money and um, was able to save so much and she said well why should I be paying somebody for rent let's make an investment went to go into the bank to get a mortgage and they said no way Sorry, you only have one year of income as a real estate agent. Ah. You need three because maybe 2017 is going to suck. And maybe 2018, you might quadruple what you made in 2016. And you could afford a bigger mortgage than you could now. We need to find an average somewhere in the middle. So when you have years that stink, we know that you're still going to have years to offset and that you'll be able to save that money to carry it over. And that's what intermittent fasting does. We're designed to feed feast into fast. Right. We're designed to have really, really high energy like intake days and days of really low energy intake. And then our metabolism sits somewhere nicely in the middle. Yeah. So on days where we fast, our metabolic processes are still running really high, which forces us to actually burn body fat. Right. So if your body is demanding like 2,500 calories worth of energy on a fasting day, because that's what you're keeping your metabolic rate at, and you're not eating, then you've got to start dumping that from fat stores. Mm. So if you're, say, if you're eating like 3,500 calories on your eating day, like you're finding a middle ground there. And that's how you lose weight during intermittent fasting. So the reason that this hit home with me, and you'll know, you know, because we did that whole eating patterns show where when we first discovered intermittent fasting and fasting and wow, I had a plateau and all of a sudden I'm not plateaued anymore. We Mm. told people this is a pattern. But what we 
didn't tell people and what we didn't quite, we didn't know, at really the time. quite yeah. know at the time was that it goes both ways. It has to it go goes both, both ways. ways. Yeah. The, we never rarely, or well, we, I shouldn't say we never, we rarely do 24 hour fasts with patients because what happens when you start fasting, of course, your appetite subsides and then you start eating these high fatty foods, which are so much more satiating. So yeah. you're taking in a lot less. So then patients who are doing a 24 hour fast would break their fast with like a six, seven, 800 caloric meal, mm-hmm. primarily from fat, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on their eating days, they weren't really hungry. So they maybe would have a hard boiled egg at lunchtime with a little salad. And then they'd have that regular dinner. Yeah. So there's really only like a couple hundred caloric difference between yeah. each day. And then they plateau and they're doing the same thing day in and day out. So we just stop it. Like we, for patients who are very new to fasting, who come into our clinic and are very skeptical about it, but know that that it is something that is going to work. I had a lady I talked to last week and she's like, I know I need to fast. Mm-hmm. I get the science, yeah. but I've never gone two hours of my life where I've been conscious and haven't eaten something. Oh, I can react. I can, I can certainly react. She's uh, like, I'm totally, to totally leery about it. And she's like, I'm scared of the you know keto flu when I start, yeah. start fasting. Yeah, um, what a big one I hear is I don't have... I can't afford to be sick because I have to work and I have kids and all this oh, stuff. Yeah. I can't afford to have keto flu. So that's why I'm not starting. Yeah, I hear uh, that. All I the hear time. that a lot too. With those patients, we recommend MCT oil yeah. or coconut oil yeah. just to sort of help get them through initially for those exogenous ketones. They're pure exogenous right. ketones. So for those patients who are skeptical, I mean, they're training wheels right. to help the True. patient get through. So MCT oil or coconut oil. Patients do better on coconut oil and MCT oil when they're new to fattier diets. Mm -hmm. MCT oil gets digested so rapidly. Sometimes it causes GI GI upset um, or disruptions and then diarrhea. But the coconut oil, because it does, it's a mixture of different lengths of fatty acids. Like you have the medium and some longer, it's slower Mm -hmm. because of the longer chain. So that tends to not disrupt. So for those people, we say it's like your your brain fuel then if you do need it and can't go cold turkey. So another thing that's interesting I talk to a lot of people. We do, right? Yeah. I remember talking to John Sanmez on his podcast, and yeah. he's he's a buff weightlifting guy, and he only eats one meal a day, mm-hmm. but he's in maintenance mode. That's fine for maintenance, and that's mode. what makes sense. So I've been eating one meal a day so since I. I've been plateaued. Yeah, I've been pretty much doing that, the same thing. And then when I heard you guys saying this, I was like. Ah, the light bulb went off. When your body weight set point is where you want it to be, where your metabolic processes are functioning the way you want it, then freeze it Yeah. by slowing everything down and preserving it. At that point, your body has become a Ferrari and you're not going to drive your Ferrari back and forth across the continent. You'd buy that car that you don't care about keeping and if it breaks halfway down, then you can get rid of it, right? You don't want to wear and tear it. So in everything, when your body has become that Ferrari, and it's perfect and you want to freeze it and isolate it, then having one meal a day and a lower caloric intake overall is actually very good for longevity Mm. because it will sort of preserve things in that state. It won't wear and tear. But when you're trying to fix things, you need to work them out to make them healthy and make them stronger. So practically speaking, um, I I think you mentioned a three-day fast is really good because on the third day, that's when your HGH, your human, human growth hormone, peaks 
Yes. And then to eat four days, so three days fasted, four days eating. I, I think like that? that time I was uh, talking about, on the th- third day of fasting around 72 hours, that's when the human growth hormone really starts to peak. So I was talking about, um, for my 30th birthday, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. That's happy awesome. birthday. Congratulations <laughs> right? and happy birthday. I was like, like, I was depressed. Do I need Botox? What's going to happen? <laughs> like, that was just killer. Um, but I had consumed a lot of phosphoric acid in excess quantities. So I wasn't really surprised. I I knew my body composition, even though the number on the scale was Mm. pretty, but that number on the scale is composed of water, fat, muscle, bone. And um, so the number on the scale is useless. Um, It is, And uh, so I knew it didn't really mean anything. So I had this osteoporosis way to (laughs) enter my 30s. So that year I said, okay, I I need to actively put on bone. So I was doing sort of maintenance. I had lost 80 pounds. I had reversed the diabetes, the PCOS, the fatty liver. So I was trying to freeze frame my body. Um, But I said, okay, I need to get this human growth hormone. So for a lot of patients, we encourage them to go beyond three days because they're not in a ketogenic state. So the third day is the hardest because their body's transitioning. But I'm always, my ketones are always happy. My fasting glucose is in the high 50s. My ketones are always in the threes or, or fours depending on if I'm fasting so on the third That's day great. of the fast I still feel yeah. like a party right? you can really <laughs> switch your fuel from glucose to fat easily you, yeah. yeah so I'm always always good um so the I would I would do the 72 hour mark just to get that growth hormone production and I would do it about every other every other week right um, so you're still switching up week up week mm-hmm. by week yeah not just one set thing per week but Every week you're switching. Yeah, the, in, the weeks huh. in between, um, there's certain days. Uh, Jason and I are just crazy busy. Hmm. And I mean, he has a whole nephrology practice going on. Um, so on Tuesdays, I literally don't have time to eat. And at one point in the middle of the day, I'm supposed to be in two places at once. Mm-hmm. And they have yet to clone me. Yeah. So <laughs> unless well, they Jason's clone working me, on that. I know maybe. he is. Yeah. If they clone me, then maybe one of the Megans can eat. But I don't have that luxury on Tuesdays with yeah. my schedule and they don't get home till eight or so at night um mm. and i don't want to eat wow, too close hours. before yeah. bed then i'm not hungry anyways i just want a cup of tea and i want to sit and not move and stare at a wall usually by <laughs> tuesday evening so i would do a 24-hour fast then and then every other friday i do sort of a talk that goes all day long mm. so there's really no time time to eat i usually have to escape the room at the start of a break before <laughs> i get pounced on by people. Um, so in in between, I would end up doing a couple 24, 36, 42 mm. hour fasts. Uh, well, I never do a 36 because mm. I'm not a big breakfast person. On the weekends, yeah, right. we have brunch, um, yeah. but not breakfast. So I would fast from Monday nights um, to usually Wednesday at lunchtime. Well, I, re- I really, really appreciate this insight because, you know, I've, I kind of was thinking it's either, you know, one meal a day mm. or a f- seven or eight day fast. And there's like, you know, the stuff in between is just yeah. sort of, eh, why do that? It's important. It's, so... I tell patients to fast more as my, and I tell patients to eat more. I tell yeah. patients to eat more just as much as I tell them to fast more. Right. So and I guess laugh. at any moment you need to decide, am I fasting? Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not eating anything. Am I eating? All right, well, bring it on. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy. Of, yeah. Like, I mean, always don't force yourself to eat beyond satiation, but yeah. don't limit yourself and definitely don't get in the habit of doing the same thing every day. For patients who are 
adamant that they're going to stay in a 24-hour fasting regimen. And some patients have to, like our dialysis patients and congestive heart patients. Yeah. Um, like we don't let them fast beyond 24 hours because of the fluid restriction. Mm. And we don't want them to get dehydrated or feel like garbage. So they're capped. Like they're one group of or two groups of patients we absolutely cap at 24 hours. Sure. So for them, it's like whatever you eat that day, you have to double that amount on on your eating days to, to compensate for your fast, you know, fasting days. There has to be a variation. Yeah. Even if you were to eat 1500 calories, of, like primarily from fat on your eat, fasting day, you need to be eating like 3000 calories. And I have patients who do that. Um, they just have this massive, massive meal. And on the days, the other days, they have two massive meals and they still lose weight. Yeah. They still lose an incredible amount of weight compared to somebody that were, that would have like one small 500 calorie meal mm. and, you know, have two smaller meals on their, mm. their eating day. They lose the same amount of weight. So mm. we're designed as human beings to fast and to feast. So whenever I plateaued in, in my journey, I'd look at my social calendar and say, I need to I need to be fasting more. I need to feast more to to get things going again. Right. So if my social calendar looked really lame, <laughs> yeah, you'd then be eating more. Fast, fast. Fast. Oh, you'd be fasting. fasting you know, yeah. yeah, if there was nothing yeah. going on, but if there was a lot of parties, I'm like, all, all right. right, this is the, I, I'm tiny. And I'd be like, I'll eat two pounds of bacon at once <laughs> and half a carton of eggs and two avocados in a day. Like get like really sort of gorge on those fats. I'm Italian despite this and okay. my last name is from <laughs> marriage. Uh, <laughs> my family's from Northern Italy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, you don't have a lot of body fat, though. Do you still fast? Uh, so right now I'm still working on the osteoporosis. So I'm at borderline osteopenia. Mm. So I'm going to be 33 this summer. My goal by my for my 33rd birthday. Just be normal. Yeah, I'm going to have a DEXA scan <laughs> and hopefully I'll have normal bone yeah. mass density. So you know, birthday goals as you get older. <laughs> so I had two DEXA scans recently, and I put on 4.1 of uh, of bone uh, bone mineral density, I have no understanding of how because I f during that time mm -hmm. I was low protein. So, um, and I, I was also off my bike because I had a knee injury, and uh, so I wasn't doing the exercise. Taking I was doing. all that good things from your diet with the growth hormones there, yeah. and it's putting them to work like if you have bone broth all of the good minerals yeah. in that and even if like low protein but all of the leafy greens all of the vegetables mm -hmm. have all of the materials we need to grow bone mm -hmm. so you you don't have to be going to the gym and, mm. and pumping you know doing, and weight, doing all kinds exercise of weight. yeah, yeah. Mm. you can actually do it with a healthy with a healthy diet mm. Wow. So is it important to uh, feast first and then fast afterwards? I think that works best. Because that the yeah. feast is going to set your BMR mm -hmm. up, your body, uh, yeah. your basal uh, metabolic rate up high, and then when you go into the fasting state, mm -hmm. you're really going to burn off a lot of I up. always encourage patients to eat more fat before they're going yeah. off fast. Particularly, I right. had a group of patients last week, and for some reason, everybody in that group wanted to try like seven days of fasting, um, <laughs> which is great. I mean, it, it was doctor approved yeah. and we see them very frequently um and uh so we we're like okay and they said what can we do to prepare and i said just gorge on fat you know having the avocados every day yeah. 
Um, macadamia nuts work mac- for me. Macadamia <laughs> yep. nuts. So avocados in particular. So yeah. um, we have to be careful with potassium recommendations. But yeah. these four patients didn't have any potassium restriction in their diet. So I said, you know, potassium, you get avocados, you know, you're going to boost that potassium. You're going to sail through that seven-day fast. Right. Right. I had a patient recently who started in the long-distance program, and um, he was really struggling. Long-distance means from other countries? Yes. So he's actually, um, so we, we talk, work with patients from a fasting and nutritional perspective, but we don't follow them medically from outside of Canada and across Canada if they can't come into the clinic. So this particular gentleman was from California, um, the San Jose area. And, uh, you know, his, his diet was pretty good. His wife was sending me photos of everything she was making and, um, and it looked pretty good. Like I felt like it was satiating and there was enough fat there, but he was struggling so much with the fast. And he said, the only day that I never struggled with the fast was the day after I really went gun ho with it. Yeah. And I had like an avocado with each meal and I yeah. just really ate a lot of fat. And I was like, then let's do that again. Yeah, you know? Again. And he's so now he's started doubling his intake. What do you and Jimmy say? Exercise your fasting muscles. <laughs> Keep doing it like you like Jimmy your started that. So that's yeah. Jimmy, but it's stuck in my head and my patients laugh because I say it all over the time That's great. That's a great way but to But it's a great it. way. And it, fasting too is like exercise. Yeah. It just takes time getting used to it. Um, I had heart procedure done at the end of 2015 and they said I couldn't work out or, or do anything for six months and uh, so that was fun and then after six months wedding season started my husband quit exercising in support of me for oh. some, even though he lived in a different country at the time he so could have gotten away with it he could have gotten yeah. away you know, with I it I think we have so much more to talk about than just fasting <laughs> so, but, um, fascinating life <laughs> but uh, so uh, we 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 moved into the city um, and there's all these great gyms. So I started looking into them. I'm like, you know, I really want to get toned before babies and like put on a lot of like muscle. Yeah. And he said, you haven't worked out in a year. You have mm. no business going into right. a gym. Right. He's like, it's we got to start off stretching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, we picked out a stretching routine and the next day I couldn't walk. Yeah. And so it's the from same stretching. thing yeah. from stretching. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same thing with fasting. If you've never fasted before in your life, like and, and like a 14 day fast, this is not probably yeah, for right. you. Mind you, we have had patients that do that. So sometimes with patients, we just start having them eat three meals a day within certain eating windows and um, and just not snacking in between mm-hmm. and then scaling down from there. So um, if fasting is a lot like exercise in that. And- with many of the same benefits too. Very many yeah. of the same benefits. Yeah, it's yeah. been it is fantastic. My husband quit going to the going to the gym. Uh, he went to a, a gym that was within his company, mm. and then towards the end of the year, right before he he relocated to Toronto, um, he thought he would go back and start putting on yeah. weight. Because he's six foot six foot four and he's one hundred and sixty five pounds, so yeah. he's got to start putting yeah. on some muscle. And when he went back to the gym, he saw these guys who he used to gym with, and they said, "Man, you look fantastic! <laughs> what have you been doing?" And he's like, <laughs> not "Nothing, exactly, <laughs> not a damn thing." For <laughs> <laughs> eating nothing. <laughs> and they, he said they just looked at him cross eyed, like he was just totally like not willing to share his right. secret regimen with them. Right. He's like, "I literally." I, 
I do nothing. I just right. worked on my diet. So you get a lot of the same benefits. I gained seven pounds of bone last year without doing weight training, right. just from doing longer fasts, because mm -hmm. I was pro uh, prohibited from doing any weight training for at least the first half sure. of the year. Well, it's but amazing what you and Jason are doing. And, yeah. and in particular, thanks for this. This little insight, I think, is going to change a lot of people. I, th I think people, you know, they get into the mind frame that fasting is so great. And fasting, for carb addiction, fasting works because mm. it really regulates your hormones. Oh, and if yeah. you can regulate your hormones, you have so much more control over your desires. So they get into this mindset, you know, fasting is really great and I'm not hungry so I can fast all of the time. Mm. But then that actually works against them, you know, mm -hmm. while they're trying to maintain that maintain making progress yeah. and losing weight and persevering. Yeah. Well, next time I fast, I'm going to go all out for three or four days beforehand. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, and and see if that's gonna. Uh, hey, I'm thinking Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been we've been feasting for this we week. Have, we we, have. We've everybody in the house has been cooking, yeah. and uh, I actually fa I did it the wrong way around because I fasted for five days mm -hmm. during my trip across to to America, and I should have done it the other way around. I should have had my feast first. <laughs> well, you can do it again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's the beauty. I think I'm going to. I'm definitely going to. Yeah. I know I'm going to yeah. when I get home. Just Thanks again, Megan. Shake things up, guys. That's the yeah. best advice. Yeah. Shake it up, get. shake it off, and switch it up. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks again. Guys. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, everybody. Well, I, I don't know about you, but um, I'm really taking this advice to heart. Yeah. And uh, since, as I say, we've gotten back from Breckenridge, you and I, this is an interesting story. Yeah. Richard and I were going to fast for two or three days <laughs> when we got to my house and then we're like boy that was a stupid what? idea <laughs> <laughs> dumb idea okay. here are two foodies right yeah. we talk about cooking together all the time yeah we never we're rarely in the same kitchen yeah <laughs> it's the first time we've ever been in the same kitchen so we fasted for about like 32 hours and then we thought ah let's yeah. do some cooking <laughs> let's do some cooking so we made some great food we did but the good thing about it was we feasted first, and so right. that increases your metabolic rate. Right. And then, as Megan said, if you fast after you feast and your metabolic rate is high, right. you're going to burn through a lot of body fat very quickly. So well, the interesting thing is it was just one day, right? and I found that after we ate normal keto in the last couple of days, yeah. oh, my weight's coming off. Yeah. Like pounds are happening, yeah. like a, a pound a day. Yeah, I've not stood on a scale for two weeks now, mm. but I'm noticing a pair of jeans that I bought before I left Australia, mm. which were snug then, uh, loose on me now. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing some weight loss. Yeah. It's not my major criteria because I'm pretty comfortable with sure. the weight I'm at, but yeah, I really look forward to using Megan's technique for yeah. busting off a plateau. Yep, me too. Yeah, so normally that would be a show, but we've got some... Recipes! 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 We're doing cocktails, kids. We are. Yep. It's drinking time. <laughs> yep. The idea of infusing hard liquor with bacon flavor. Oh, yeah. How came, does that? <laughs> yeah. Came to us from my buddy Todd Evers. Yep. From the Mystic Meat Locker, who is going to be a vendor at Keto Fest. Yeah. And basically, these guys, they've all just recently gone keto. And right. by that, I mean in the last few days they yeah. started. But they make meats, cured meats. They make bacon. They make sausage. They make a like a longzino, oh, prosciutto-like. Sliced very fine, just yeah. delicious. It was like 
a solid slice of meat sauce. Yeah. Uh, a kielbasa, they make mm. that. So basically these guys just started making your standard cured meats, and then I told them about keto and about how the ketogenic community really needs sausages and meats that are high fat content, right. not cured with sugar, Yeah, maybe a sweetener of some kind if you need sweet. Mm. And, uh, and, and they took it and ran with it. So these guys are going to be uh, one of the vendors at KetoFest. And yeah. I think they're going to be providing some charcuterie that we can uh, take home with us. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. All right. So my recipe is very simple. This is a technique for infusing bourbon with bacon flavor. Mm. Yeah. And essentially what you do is you take uh, some bacon grease. Right. Halfway filled up in a receptacle that you can close. Yeah. Like a jar. Like a jar, mason jar. And then you fill the rest with bourbon. Mm -hmm. And this should be at room temperature. Right. Yeah. And you're going to just shake it up, you know, shake it until it's fairly emulsified, but it doesn't have to be emulsified. Just shake it up and get it all happy. Yeah. And then you essentially put it in the fridge for a little while and let it sit and steep. And what happens is it separates. Right. The fat comes to the top and the bourbon stays on the bottom. And so all of the bacon flavors that are not fat that are bound up in that fat, get uh, dissolved into the alcohol. Right. Yeah. Now, there is one thing about bourbon. Sure. And that is it gets dirty. Okay. And it gets cloudy when it gets dirty. And by dirty, I mean if you just take a glass of bourbon, have a little drink, yep. put it down on the counter and leave it there for a day, the next day it's going to be putrid. Really? It's going to be cloudy. It's going to stink. It's going to be nasty. Yeah. Whatever the stuff is, maybe it's the fat from your face or your oils from your skin, uh, then it's going to get in there and you put it in the fridge, it gets cloudy. Really? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, that's what happens with bourbon. Mm. So it's going to be a little cloudy is what I'm saying. But right. don't worry about it because it's going to taste delicious. <laughs> so what you do is leave it in there for a day or so. Right. In the fridge. In the fridge. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to separate. So you want to take a, a poke a hole through that fat. Right. You know, maybe with a knife, maybe with a, a small toothpick or, or yeah. a knitting needle. And just pour out the bourbon underneath. You might need to strain it through a paper towel, through a fine mesh a couple of times in order to get the big chunks of fat out. Right. But um, the resultant bourbon is just delicious. Delicious. So my recipe is kind of similar. I'm going to be going with hard liquor as well. But my hard liquor of choice today is vodka. 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 Yeah. So what I do is very similar. Yeah. So I have a jar with half filled with bacon grease. Mm -hmm. And I fill it up for, with vodka and right. I cap it and I shake it. I warm it up so that the, um, the flavors of the bacon mm. can get out from the fat and into the alcohol. So it's same technique same for technique. the vodka, but you're going yeah. a step further and using that vodka in a cocktail. Yeah, and I actually filter the vodka afterwards because for some reason the, with the bourbon, the uh, the fat was very separated, whereas with the vodka it emulsified in, so it was almost like mayonnaise. Yeah. So I needed to – so basically what I did was uh, take a coffee filter, yeah. put it in a funnel, Mm. And then poured the, I guess you could call it the, mayonnaise, the, the bacon, mayonnaise. <laughs> bacon vodka mayonnaise <laughs> into the filter and I let it stand overnight mm. over the top of a bottle. Yeah. And that uh, basically let all of the vodka get, uh, 
go through. Mm. The fat stayed on the top, and then I just I'm just going to reuse that fat for yeah. cooking. You know, that's right. just Why not? Uh, slightly vodka infused yeah. <laughs> bacon fat. Mm-hmm. So so now I have vodka that tastes of bacon. Mm-hmm. Now I had a taste of it, and it's it's okay. It's it's not a great experience, mm-hmm. but it is definitely bacony. Yeah. It's got kind of like the porky, it's like a porky flavor. Right. But it was a very strong bacon flavor. It was a very strong, yeah, massively. And right. so uh, what I found is you can increase the flavor of bacon by adding a little bit of salt to your vodka. Oh, yeah. So if you're just going to take a shot, salt it, and yep. that tastes delicious. Amazing. So I wanted to take the next step and make this into a Bloody Mary. Yeah. But I didn't want to use regular tomato juice. I right. wanted to use a technique that I saw online from Jamie Oliver, which is to make clear tomato juice. This is amazing. I didn't know idea you could do this. Right. And it's, it works. It, it works really well. So I took three tomatoes. I uh, took the stems out and uh, cut them into small bits and whizzed them up in a Food, food processor, processor, yeah. Yeah. And so basically I was making a tomato puree. Yeah. I also added a bit of basil to this because mm. basil, tomato go well together. Yeah. But it's the middle of winter here. We couldn't find fresh basil fresh leaf, basil, which yeah. I would normally prefer to use. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I used some dry basil and I added it to a little bit of boiling water. So about a tablespoon of boiling water to kind of reconstitute the leaves that, yeah. add, that add that to the, t- to the tomato puree. Uh-huh. And so now I have... Tomato juice, pureed. Mm. So I did the same trick with a funnel. I got the funnel, got a coffee filter inside. Yeah. I added the tomato puree to the top and I let it sit over the top of a of a bottle. Overnight. Overnight. It took really, I mean, I probably had maybe a quarter of a cup of juice after maybe six hours, mm. but, but leaving it overnight, basically all I was left with in the funnel was just dry tomato pulp. And the flavor of the tomato actually went through into that clear liquid. Yeah. T- almost totally clear. There was a couple of little drops of red in there right. that you can just pull out with a spoon. And it does have a little bit of a reddish hue, but it is clear. It is totally clear. And it looks like water and mm. tastes totally of tomatoes. It's yep. like a hyper-attenuated tomato flavor. It's amazing. Now, the ratio that you use with the bacon vodka is one part of bacon vodka to three parts of tomato. Yeah. And then just stick a stick of celery in it, maybe a little bit of celery salt over the top. Yep. Uh, and you could go Tabasco or you could, or you could put a horseradish in there, whatever yeah. you like in your Bloody Mary. Yeah. But yeah. it's going to be totally clear. It's going to look <laughs> like a, it's going to look like a martini. Yep. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it is. It was delicious. Nice. So that's my recipe for the day. It's sort of like a clear keto Bloody Mary with bacon infused vodka. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a show, man. That's a show. So, of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at Two Keto Dudes, on Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. And, of course, if you want to join our forum, go to forum.twoketo.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, you know, (laughs) T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on it, head over to gear.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our podcast and our forums, hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate.2keto.com. You can also see our podcast and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. Well, keep calm and keto on. Keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right, and we'll see you next time on on Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.